0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. This is the Lifestyle Business Podcast. It's 2010. I'm Dan. And I'm Ian. And we are here
1: to rock your socks off. Now, something to note, we are in the same room, which hasn't happened for about six months. Oh, my gosh.
0: It's really cool. We are in Thailand, Krabi Province, on a beach called Nang. If you go to the Tropical MBA, you can see some videos we took. On Saturday, we're going to CoPP. And uh, you know we've been doing a lot of work. We've been doing a lot of planning, and I think Saturday is when we blow it out, right?
1: Yeah, we're gonna start partying Saturday. <laughs> so, got a couple deadlines before then, but um, we wanted to touch base with everybody and uh, let you know about our 2010 plans. Real quick, here at the podcast, we've been having a rapidly growing audience,
0: and that is definitely not from SEO optimization or any proactive marketing that we're doing. And that's from you guys. So thank you for sharing our program with your friends. Uh, We welcome the growing conversation. And, you know, we're really looking forward to what a larger listenership is going to bring to this program.
1: Yeah, we're looking forward to our listeners sharing with us uh, your questions and your comments, your sticking points this year. Uh, What can we help you with? How can we help you grow your business? We're up to listenership of three figures. Wow. Yeah, Woo.
0: I'm glad our business is is, <laughs> is not down at three figures. You know, we hope to ramp that up to over a thousand listeners very early here in the new year. Um, so there's a couple quick things we want to just uh, go over before we get into um, the feature segment or the, the core uh, theme of this episode.
1: What we're going to do this year, and we're going to try and stick to this, um, we've all got busy schedules, but we're going to try and have at least one show a week this year. Yes, and I think that uh, these shows are actually sort of
0: time-consuming for us to put together. I think that a growing audience is going to help us perhaps put out more content because we can do some Q&A, uh, kind of review content, but sort of coming up with stuff is, is a little bit more time-consuming because you know, that's on you and me. That's not outsourceable, and we are trying to uh, grow our core business. This, for us, is about fun. It's about engagement. It's about joining the community.
1: Right. And something else that we're going to be pouring a lot of time into um, is our educational resources, um, both here and at the Tropical MBA. Um, so we're going to be scaling the Tropical MBA as a, rec- as a uh, recruiting tool, and then we're also going to be adding talented individuals from the Tropical MBA to our team.
0: Yes, and Sean Ogle's here in, in uh, Thailand with us right now, and uh, that's been awesome, and we just got to do more of that. That's, that. was. It's a whole new way to hire people. Uh, It's a way to get enthused people on your team and to grow your business fast. And uh, we're looking to scale that uh, in 2010. Uh, Our goal for our core business is to grow 100%
1: again. So it's big time, 2010. It's going to be big. Big time, big time. We grew 100% this year. We plan to grow 100% or more in 2010 so and our plan is to take our listeners with us um to uh have you travel with us through that journey
0: you know i know there's some listeners to this podcast that have actually quite large businesses there are some listeners undoubtedly that have never even considered starting a business uh but we believe that you know throughout all no matter what stage you are in the entrepreneurial process there's some sort of universal
1: themes part of our growth plan um like we discussed is to reach out more to the entrepreneurial community um uh, because entrepreneurs for us are are we are entrepreneurs, and then they are also a huge inspiration for us,
0: we want to ask you a few questions before we get into the key section of the podcast. For number one, how can we help you grow your business in two thousand and ten by reaching out? We hope we can you can help us to grow ours. Uh, let us know if you need our advice or opinion if you think you could benefit from that. The second thing we want to ask you is what are your sticking points at every level there are things that can hold you back. And you know the entrepreneurial journey is all about overcoming challenges, and we face just as many challenges now that we have a thriving business on our hands as we did before we even
1: started. Yeah, and a lot of the challenges, like you said, are, are the same on, on any scale. So uh, they can be from starting a business or, or once you're really thick into it.
0: I mean, at our point, having a, a, a profitable, growing business, it can be just as scary to take the next step to scale that business as it can be to quit your job or to even start bootstrapping your own business after hours. And so to me, like the themes that we're bringing up, they're, they're universal, you know, and they always apply. And that's why, you know, we, even when you, when you see like our friendship groups are the kinds of people that we can relate to when we're, when we're out on the town or whatever, you know, we have friends that are multi, multi, multi millionaires and we have friends that don't have businesses and they have jobs and the struggles are universal and, and we can all relate to each other. So. I think that that's that's great, and you're seeing that here in our audience, and that's exciting for me.
1: Well, today, uh, we've got a pretty interesting show for you guys. Um, We've got a couple of points here. A couple? Eight. We've got eight points Eight points. It was a lot of work. Right. Here are eight things
0: that we wish we would have known before we started our business. Yeah. And one thing we realized as we pulled together these eight points together is that these are all things that we need to continually remind ourselves of as well.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Moving into our first point of things we should have known before we started a business. You know, this is uh this is this is kind of a hard hard lesson to learn, but you've got to grind usually 6 to 12 months before seeing any revenue or profit generally.
0: Number 1, you've got to wait 6 to 12 months before you're going to see revenue. Why that time frame and why say things so, you know, it seems bold, like, why can't someone come out the gate and make some money?
1: Sure, I guess they can, but uh, in in most instances, you're going to find yourself uh, doing some grind work. I think it's kind of like the snowball effect, you know? You've got to start the little pebble and then kind of roll it down the hill. And uh, it needs to get to a certain size usually before you start to grab sales and customers and things like that. So a lot of times you're, you're grinding out your product before you're selling it. So you might be doing that while you have another job or after hours or something like that. But generally you're working on your product for about 6 to 12 months um, before you see your first sale.
0: Yeah, and this piece of advice doesn't obviously apply to the person who comes out the gate blazing. and That's fine, but it's really critical for the majority of businesses – they essentially go through a development stage that's rel- that's revenue less. Right. And that applies to any project that you take on and so the the takeaway here is that you know you've got to expect that up front and be willing to set yourself to a consistent output schedule and make it happen. Right. And so if there's one word that relates to this point, I think it's patience. Patience, perseverance, you know, setting yourself to a schedule. You know, one thing that's going to happen that happens to a lot of people is as they get down the line, they, they start to go in a different direction. They see that their initial direction wasn't quite working out, but it, it all was dependent on them putting in that effort in the first place. Sure. And we're going to get into some points that talk about why
1: that's, that's important. So let's move on to the second one. The second point that we have is that entrepreneurs need to put the cart before the horse. Um, you start to feel like a little bit of a fraud, I think, but everybody does, kind of. Um, and so, what we mean by that is, um, you've got to come across as the expert, even if you aren't. You know, so um, and nobody's stopping you from saying that you're the expert. So it's important that you say you are early, kind of out of the gate. You know, I'm the expert on scuba gear, or I'm the expert on Windows. Um, you've really got to put yourself out there and believe that, um, and then and then start to back it up. Everyone on this podcast is in the same business, whether you're an employee
0: or an entrepreneur, and that is you're in the problem-solving business. And part of this is about the level of audacity you have. What level of problem are you willing to solve? I mean, I remember uh, at one point uh, when I was running a company, I was hesitant to solve certain kinds of problems that were outside of our competence, even if they were profitable problems to solve. If I walked away from that job with one lesson, it was that it's super, super valuable to step up and have the audacity to step into problems that you can't see your way out of and then solve them for your clients. Sure. That's why clients are willing to pay for them because they're difficult problems to solve. That's right. You can pull together the network and make it happen for them and solve their problems you know, you're going to make a lot of money. That's the bottom line. And, you know, this stuff is hard and just feel confident that no one else around you is feeling confident either.
1: Right, right. Even even your competition. So, you know, it's important that you step up and say, yes, I can early. Absolutely.
0: Number three, startup capital isn't as much of a barrier as you think. Great ideas inspire people to donate, contribute, fund, and sell your products before they exist. There's a lot of other things that relate to this. What do you think about number three here?
1: Yeah, I think um, you know one of the biggest uh, barriers that I thought before starting a business was you know how how am I going to generate this capital? Who's going how am I going to figure you know I've got nothing in my bank account, you right? Know. How am I going to get this going? Um, and uh, the answer is easy. I mean, once you start to kind of lay it out and figure out how much you actually need month to month, um, depending on what industry you're in, it's probably not a bunch of money. I mean, it could be. Um, But if it is, then it's probably a good enough idea that somebody's willing to pay for it or at least help you fund it. And so there's a lot of different ways to get that done. Well, you know what?
0: A lot of it is contingent on momentum. And you're going to get investors. You're going to get banks. You're going to get... People around you that are that are willing to loan you a little bit of cash. First off, let's just let's just preface this by saying everybody's well aware that starting a business now is cheaper than it's ever been in the history of the universe, of, of the of yeah the, of the planet Earth. And getting customers is is the cheapest it's ever been too. Absolutely, and so I think that that's critical. But the second thing to understand is that if you're sitting at a point where you think um, money is difficult to get then your, your idea isn't developed enough yet. I mean, your ship should be ready to leave the harbor, and the, la- and the last thing remaining is the funding. And then you can pull that together. If, if even in your own mindset that you know your business is ready to pull out of that harbor, and it's fully conceptualized, your products are ready to go, you've got customers that want your products, and, and if what's standing between you and business is some money, well, then you're ready to go with your credit cards, aren't right. you? Give us a call. Exactly. Well, <laughs> that's another great thing. That's the idea here is that I think money is, is an excuse for people. It is. Okay. So that's number three. What's number
1: four here? Number four. Uh, this is super, super critical. Who you decide to work with will shape your business probably for the next five to ten years. Um, so choose your partners wisely. Uh, you know, a lot of people they start a business. Uh, say they start a, a towel making business, and the first person that comes to mind is their mom that knows how to weave. You know, it's not a good idea to hire into your partnership, or I shouldn't say it's not a good idea to partner with the skill set. Proximity partnering, right? Bad idea. It's a really bad idea. So you really need to pick your partners based on who you think you can work with, and who you think you, you know, you'll get along with and respect, um, and also, um, you know, somebody that'll be a, a large contributor to what you're working on. One thing here is that you really want to like do the thought exercise when
0: you imagine yourself with a partner. Think of yourself three years down the pike. And you want to make sure that your partners will be able to have a long-term, sustained input into your business. They have almost like a structural need to be involved. And in our business, I believe that that's the case. But what happens a lot of times is there's a marriage of convenience up at the beginning. And you sacrifice a little bit too much to get a quick start, and then you pay for it on the back end. And you hear so many stories of these partnerships of convenience falling apart. And I think if you do choose to share your vision, just share the burden with somebody, that's an amazing decision to make, and I would recommend it. But really visualize that long-term. In three years, is this person, you know, structurally, are they in a place in their life? Do they have the kind of attitude? Do they have the kind of skills that are going to be able to contribute over the long-term?
1: Right. And so this kind of loops back around to the last point, too, which is if you're picking a partner purely based on, capital input, it it might not be a good idea also. I mean, you can get money, right? And it doesn't have to be an equal partnership. They might take some of your company, um, but don't base your partnership um, solely on starting capital.
0: If you have real momentum in your business and you have a real strong idea and you're an executor, you're a hustler, you can get on the phone, call people, make it freaking happen. Do not give away your business for some pebbles at the beginning. No. Because you are going to be sorry in the long run.
1: Yeah. Envision your company making 5 to $10 million down the road and then think about how much you asked for in the beginning and then figure out where that's going to leave you. It's that's going to be worth. the most
0: expensive money you've ever taken, right? Right. Number six. Wait no, we're we're only at number five. Number five. My lord, choose an industry that can support your ambition and revenue goals. Um, it needs to be large enough that scaling is possible. Right. What so, do you mean by that?
1: Well, this I think this is, this kind of hits close to home for us. We've made this um, mistake, I should say, a couple times. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We well, I wouldn't say one. it's a mistake, but. <laughs> Um, you really need to, you really need to choose to work in an industry that can support you. Um, so if, if you decide to go into something small time or maybe even something local, um, just realize that it might not be scalable. Um, and if you plan on scaling to, you know, whatever that revenue number is in your head that you hope to hit five years down the road, think about if what you're working on is even capable of producing that kind of revenue.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely critical. Sometimes it it can be seductive to go after the thing that's closest to you, and you know just to make it happen because you know you can put together a couple sales. And you know I'm not against pulling some cash flow out of a market that you know you can reach, but you know for your long-term plans you really want to aim at something that can meet your overall ambition. Yeah. And so think globally uh, with that. Um, this is closely related to our sixth point, which is when choosing an industry. Consider, consider a large developed market with low customer acquisition costs. What do you mean by that?
1: Yeah, I think it's really important to figure out in the beginning how much it's going to cost to get the customers in your market. Um, so we just kind of talked about how cheap it is to get customers. Uh, and A lot of that we're talking about on the Internet, right? It's real cheap to get customers on the Internet. But consider that um, when, when you're going into a market. You know, consider how much of a burning desire your market has.
0: Considering how much of a problem to solve, you know, your market has, uh, and these are all things that it, it's really difficult to get into the furniture business. Let's just let's straight up about the furniture business. If you sure. want to come out with a bed um, that has a nice design or something, that's a very high customer acquisition cost, as far as I can tell. Um, you know, because everybody needs a bed, and you know, it's very difficult to determine, to differentiate the products. It's a flooded market. It's a huge market. It's an expensive to reach customers because it's everybody. So it's, it's a tricky line you want to draw. You want to focus in on a large market where you can scale into, but yet one where there's a specific solution that you can offer that's been a proven solution, you know. Um, a lot of times people look at markets and they'll be, they'll get all excited when there's nobody playing there and they'll be like, I can be the first one there. And and in my mind, that's generally an indication of a very small market you want to find something that's already exists. That's proven that you can find targeted customers take on the competition and differentiate yourself. Number seven, consider your insider knowledge and expert status on all relevant markets or something you're committed to learning in depth for the next few years.
1: This is very, very important. So, um, you will be walking deeply through the information and becoming an expert on whatever you choose to get into. Um so make it something you love. That's
0: you know we talked about that in our episode about how to sustain your passion and it's just so so critical that you can have that sustained
1: output towards your business. Because if you peter out after 2 years so is your business. Yeah, you can't fake it with your customers. I mean, they know when you're not interested in what you're selling. So you really have to be, I mean, that's what it comes down to is sales. You really have to be interested in what you're selling. Uh, and if you're not, then your customers are going to smell it out and they're going to want to go with somebody else. It's also going to mean that you're not innovating probably in your, in your market or within your company.
0: Consider a couple things as a visual, visualization. It's okay that you're not an expert. You know, that's something that you have to work towards. Don't let that hold you back if you're not an expert. You will become an expert by developing products, by speaking with customers, interacting with your market. You know, the critical thing here is that you understand that expert status is just required. Right. Absolutely, in this world, it is required to be a market leader. You must be the expert to make a sale.
1: Right. So whatever you're going into, you will be the expert. So make sure it's something that you love.
0: Yeah, you know, find me a successful entrepreneur who doesn't know his product inside and out. doesn't happen. So if you can't visualize yourself there being the expert, then just start to identify the path to get there. It's not that hard. There's information everywhere. Right, yeah. And everybody started from nothing. Sure. Number eight, take lifestyle risks. And if necessary, abandon your current liabilities. That's a two-part one. What's the first part there? Take lifestyle risks. To me I'll tell you a little bit of you know my story. I thought it was a big 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 risk to start traveling while running this business. I thought that I might ruin our business because I didn't want to live in California full time. And we were going to lose a lot of productivity and all this stuff. But I I decided that it was it wasn't worth getting bent out of shape about. I'm still willing to work hard. I'm still willing to be a big contributor and in fact, you know, By coming to Asia, I was able to contribute to our business in new ways that maybe I didn't quite see so thoroughly at the beginning. And in that case, it's outsourcing here in the Philippines. Um, And so we were able to actually... I took part of the business with me here. And that was a really exciting change. And maybe a couple years ago, I wouldn't have had the confidence. My year estimates are always off, like longer than two years ago. Four years ago, specifically, I would not have had the confidence to make that kind of move and say, you know what, I'm going to trust my instinct and say that I can only be really passionate about this business if it allows me X. Right. And I took that risk, and because the business gave that to me, I, in turn, gave that back
1: to the business. And so don't bend over backwards for your business. No, because a lot of times it doesn't work out (laughs) for anybody. It won't work out for you personally, and it won't work out for the business. So make sure it's worth it. I mean, at the end of the day...
0: Um, you have this life is really freaking important, way more important than your business. And your business is only worth it if it's helping you achieve the things that you want in your life. And so, to me, it's it's taking those risks. And you have this extra point here, which is, uh, if necessary, abandon your current liabilities. And I think that's you're touching on something there. Like, look, if you've got if you've got baggage holding you down. Into in, and it's if you've got friends hanging around, if you've got naysayers, people that don't believe that you can take the next le- they take it to the next level.
1: Um, you know, it's a huge risk to keep that into your life. Yeah, because you're scared. Right, and it's probably going to hold you back. So you know, if you even think it's a liability, just get rid of it. Yeah. Drop it and uh, move on with your life and, and start start living your passion. Right. Start going after it hardcore, aggressively.
0: Yes. Hey, that I love podcasting with you here in Asia.
1: I hope that you'll stay for a while. Well, I love taking phone calls in the middle of the night, so <laughs> I just might. Um, so Ian and I are going
0: to do some island hopping after a couple more days of work here. We'll try to get uh, some more podcasts recorded. Let us know via comment or email Dan at Lifestyle Business Podcast. You can also email Ian at Lifestyle Business Podcast. Send us your questions. Let us know about your sticking points and let us know how we can help.
1: And get pumped for 2010 because we're going to bring it.
0: 2010 is going to be big. We're going to bring it. You're going to bring it. It's going to be awesome.
1: Yeah. All right, guys. We'll see you next time.
0: Hey, podcast listeners. Thanks for joining us. Always good to have you. Don't be shy, we've got a mailing list, lifestyle Get signed up and keep up to date on everything.